You are now tuned in to the December 26er podcast, where we encourage you to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. family. Welcome to another episode of the December 26th podcast. I am your host, Delisha, and this episode features Chike Yuzoka. Chike is a self-described Wall Street refugee who details his journey from banking to developing a full-blown coaching business and then expanding his brand to what he calls social real estate development. Now listen, Chike is unabashedly himself and is very outspoken, so we had a lively conversation to say the least. Without further ado, I hope you enjoy. Chike, welcome to the December 26th podcast. How are you? I am positive. Thanks for having me. You're really positive. Like, I feel the energy. You came in here with a smile, bearing gifts. Yes. You're ready. As long as I wake up in the morning, I'm good. That is a good philosophy to have. I can deal with the rest. Well, I'm happy to have you here. We haven't seen each other for quite a few years. And someone referred you, which is crazy. Small And, you know, we see the names and we're like, we know each other. I know her. Exactly. Sister, Mr. DeMarcus. (laughs) (laughs) But happy to have you. Yes. Thank you. I'm honored to be here. Thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Awesome, of course. So tell me, who is Chike Yuzoka? Oh, I think the word somebody uses multifaceted. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just a brother who cares. Um, just using my passions to help folks as much as possible. Um, I consider my ventures all to be like socially, you know, like we solving a problem and mm-hmm. we're making money. Absolutely. You know? um, so now I'm geared more towards real estate development, like social mm-hmm. real estate development, like smart real estate development. And so that's kind of where I'm focused on right now. Um, but, you know, Wall Street refugee, first uh, generation Nigerian born in Queens, um, first generation author and entrepreneur in the family, first generation to not attend Columbia University in the family. Wow. Um, so a lot of firsts in my family for me. Um, and so, yeah, that's who I am in a nutshell. Okay. So we're going to unpack a lot of that. Interested because when people hear real estate, you know, they automatically think get money. Yeah. So I don't know if I've ever heard someone describe it in a conscious way like you have sort of, would you call it social, yeah, social real estate development? Social. Social development. Okay. So we're going to get there. But since you brought up the first in the family not to go to Columbia, let's start there. Mm. Let's start there. So you come from a family of educated folks. Yeah. So my parents came here from um, from degrees in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. Um, so they came here to go to Columbia. So they actually lived on campus together. In, wow. In, uh, I think it was Morningside Heights, technically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... Um, my mom was working at Teachers College, which is where my sister ended up attending uh, in 20... She got her education doctorate in 2010. Wow, okay. So my parents were there in the 70s, mm-hmm. 80s. So it was... Um, and my dad was there getting his uh, engineering computer science stuff. And so, um, yeah, it was on my list for, for PhDs. But however, we're not getting a PhD anymore, so... Right. Well, let's just be clear here, because it's like, you didn't go to Columbia, but it's not like you went to Everest, right? Right. <laughs> You're not, no slouch. Like Everest or Drake or right. Southern New Hampshire... Whatever. <laughs> All those random um, schools that come on nah, TV. NJIT. I rep, I rep NJIT, New Jersey Institute of Technology in Newark, New Jersey. Um, moved to Newark in 2001. Mm-hmm. Been coming to Newark my whole life. Um, moved there. Uh, became a resident in 01 and kind of never left. Right. Um, you ride hard for Newark. Yeah, it's a great city. It's a dope city. It's so much better than people give it credit it's, for. It's, yeah. I wish... Um, Folks really took the time to go there rather than just read and listen to what people say and, and write. Absolutely. And I will say, on our first meeting, you took me around, Newark, and like yeah. you were on the pulse of the city and what was going on before sort of this redevelopment was common knowledge. Because I think a lot of people now know that it's popping, right? Hot. It is hot. It's mm-hmm. a hot place to be. Mm-hmm. But you took me around when it was still kind of just something that was known by insiders. Yeah, yeah. And at the time, you weren't in the real estate world. No, nah, no. So I've, I've had my eyes on it unknowingly for a while. Mm-hmm. And then I think 2015 is when I was like, yeah, I got to, I got to do something about the relationship I saw between commercial real estate and wealth gaps and inequality and things like mm-hmm. that, right? And so uh, that's when I got licensed. However, I didn't really get full time in real estate till like 2017. Right. So, um, and now I was with the wrong brokerage for too long. And mm-hmm. so now it's, it's I f- I'm at the right spot. I'm in the right place. Um, different mindset. Um, and so same hustle. Right. 
Um, but yeah, better, better place now. Okay. So before so we get excited. to 2017 and you jumping mm-hmm. into real estate mm-hmm. with both feet, you come out of NJIT yeah. and where do you start your career? Oh, four. So oh, four is kind of like the first gig I had kind of doing mm-hmm. finance. And then oh, six is when I, the same year, months before I graduated NJIT, I started with New York Life Insurance Company. Okay. And so that was like the first hustle commission joint I had. Um, and that was interesting. And so stayed there for about two years. Um, and then from there went over to Merrill Lynch, which was, um, definitely a whole nother beast. Right. A whole nother beast. Um, having already had licenses, I got licensed at New York Life. Mm -hmm. Um, I got to Merrill and I kind of already had a license. So then I got another license at Merrill. Um, then I was at Merrill for about nine months. And that's when um, 08 September happened. Oh, man. Lehman and all that. The so infamous. Bank of America bought Merrill, right? Yes. Monday. And then <laughs> it was like a freeze on everything. And I was like, man. Um, and then like two weeks later, uh, JP Morgan Chase called me. Mm-hmm. And I switched from like stock trading to banking. Wow. And so that was an interesting now ha- being able to learn what how a bank worked from the inside out. Mm-hmm treacherous. Ooh, they're crazy. It's not a game. And people who are not familiar, <laughs> they just don't understand. It's all about P&Ls. Yes, that is it. Boiler room. That's it. It's all it. about P&Ls. That's the one manager all day she cared about. She took a water fountain out the joint. Like, Are you she, serious? Yo, she took a water fountain out of the branch we were at because it was affecting P&L. Wow. Talk about line line by line like okay when we we really need a water fountain for them they could go across street and buy water no <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're gonna cross second ave in manhattan and yeah we'll get water Dwayne reed every time we need to and so yeah so it's not a game it wasn't a game and then banking i think that's when i really was like it was one argument that really gave me that aha moment mm-hmm. that i'm like voluntarily showing up here to be miserable right but a lot of people do it. We call it the golden handcuffs. You know, a, a lot of folks. Every two weeks, you got bonus checks too. Exactly. Every quarter, every, you know what I mean? It's to That's maintain cool. a lifestyle and certain mm-hmm. accoutrements and like live your life a certain way. And I'm not knocking it, clearly. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not. But if you're someone who's conscious in any way and everything is not about the bottom line for you, it's very hard to sustain in that environment. Now, looking mm-hmm. at you today, like I would have never thought oh, this is a Wall Street refugee, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're living in your own skin. You are who you are. So what I want now. Right. <laughs> so tell me how you got to the point where you're like, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going in a different direction. It was that aha moment. So, mm-hmm. so April 09, me and my boy Drew started our first company, Real People Motors. Mm-hmm. Um, and February 2010 is when I finally got fired. <laughs> okay, so it was like a few months. So, so yeah, April... Oh nine, mm-hmm. uh, we started the first company, and then November oh nine, my uh, long term relationship had ended. Okay, and so now I was miserable at home, and I was miserable at work Ugh, that's because a bad combination. in September of oh nine, I got a new manager. Okay, Miss Water Fountain, mm-hmm. right? And so all that happened at one time, and so it was that argument we, me and her, had in November that was that aha moment that I literally tried to get fired every day I showed up. <laughs> oh, and I can say that now because whatever. You're not um, there. What does that look like, though, trying to get so fired? So in sales, it's easy, right? You go there, you show up, and you act like you're selling, but you don't sell anything, <laughs> right? And so after a couple days, you know, one or two days, they're going to say something. Like, right. yo, what's up? Because <laughs> it's like every day you start at zero. So if you end the day with zero, what's good? Right. So what does selling look like? Are you picking up the oh, phone? Like, yeah, so yeah. We, we, I was doing everything. So as a banker, we were doing everything from opening accounts mm-hmm. to IRAs to mortgages okay. to um, uh, business accounts and all that stuff. Um, but it, like back to the shadiness, though, like, you know, we was opening account bank business accounts for dog walkers, like just right. to make numbers. Like, you know what I'm saying? That's the stuff we had to do. And then mm-hmm. so after a while, I just felt real, real crappy. Right. Like going home. And so, you know, when it hit me, I think it hit me when it was like, like you go home, work all these hours. I go home. I feel like I ain't do real no 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 good necessarily right. in the world, right? And then I come home to work on my own like website and business. Um, but then it's like you come home and maybe your lights is off, mm-hmm. or maybe like um, something happened that was like, damn, I thought this, you know. And so I think that something happened where it was like I'm miserable at home, miserable at work. And, like, the money I'm making at work, it should be more than what I'm seeing. Right. Because I'm just, I'm in the city, so I'm going out after work, right? Of course. So, yeah, it was just all those things that happened. And then finally, February 2010, 
um, I got my walking papers, right? Mm-hmm. And so it was really, it was really a great day, it felt like, because I kind of, I cut my, I cut the manager off while she was about to explain why she was going to fire me. And I was like, wait, 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 <laughs> hold on. I said, like, you don't have to explain anything. You have all these employees here you have to worry about. You can't let one person bring down the ship, right? I gave this whole little thing, right? Mm-hmm. And then I was like, I just have one question. She's like, what's up? I said, where do I sign? <laughs> And she's like, excuse me? I said, I have to sign something, right? She's like, uh, yeah. And she like handed me the papers. I signed them, whatever. And I'm like, thank you. And I got up and I was about to leave the room. And she's like, oh, Chike, um, you know, don't say anything to anybody. You know, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll let them know tomorrow. I said, no, no problem. And in my head, I'm thinking, everybody else in here knew I was trying to get fired but you. <laughs> you just found out. So, so, so that was like, that was the day I walked out on the second half of Manhattan with my arms up like, yes. Okay, so let me ask you, though, right? Because I've never been fired, but I know what it feels like to get out of a job that you really cannot stand. Were you prepared, though, financially for this? So that was February 2nd, 2010. Mm -hmm. It was a Tuesday. Oh, my birthday on top of it. (laughs) It's a good day. Wednesday, the 3rd, I'm I'm in a... I'm in my futon just second-guessing every decision mm-hmm. I've ever made in life. Now, mind you, I had just turned 27 in January of 2010. Okay. So from 13 to 27, I had always had at least two jobs. Okay. So now, this Wednesday was the first time in a very long time I had nowhere to be. I had no... You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. it, it really messed me up for a second. And then the next day, that Thursday, I just went on down to the one stop and filed for unemployment. I said, hey, I got fired. I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And so what I did know at that point was all I had was rent, okay. my car note, my cell phone, and school loans. That was okay. really about it. Um, and the unemployment in New Jersey that I was getting at the time was maxed out. So it was a good number. Okay. So paid for all that stuff. So, and I had some savings, right? Mm-hmm. So from that point till June of 2010, so April to June, um, me and Drew just, I've, I had more time to focus on the business, the website stuff. So we was talking about how we gonna make, because we started the company, which you should not do this ever, people listening we started the company with no business revenue model right we were just like we love cars let's start a car company let's <laughs> so what was the car company so it started as a website right mm-hmm. it was like a forum where people can like uh upload videos watch videos connect with other people right and so even in just doing a website and the p.o box and the the the, the, the url and all the hosting we spent a couple you know thousands of dollars right but, so but wait okay pause for a second we both we both came from nine to five i'm nigerian he's jamaican we didn't know business right all we knew was work so we had no google at the time to, you know what I'm saying? Like, how do we start a business? We went to, we paid $800 to register an LLC in New Jersey that only cost $125. Right. We did not know, you know? Okay. But the, so the business that you started, you weren't selling really a product or service. It was a service. It was a website, like YouTube for car fanatics. Okay. But yes, but not a service where you say, we you sign on the, yeah, you sign on the dotted line and you pay me to provide yeah, X to no you. We had no money. We had no ads. We- so I was about to say, so you didn't know, you didn't even know how to monetize the site <laughs> with ads or anything? Nah. Uh, okay. Uh, all right. You're not the that's first. Business. No, that's business. That's how it was in 09. We didn't know none of that. Right. And so uh, eventually, um, you know, that that stretch, we were able to kind of figure some stuff out. Um, and then June of 2010, <clears throat> excuse me, is when I was at a wine tasting in Newark. Mm-hmm. And a gentleman came up to me and said, what do I do? And I didn't know what to tell him, right? So I just said, I do workshops for kids. <laughs> Had you ever done business a workshop workshops. for kids? Not business workshops. Okay. So, so disclaimer: I've been working with young people since I was in seventh grade. Mm-hmm. So I've been doing it for since you were a young person. Since while I was young, mm-hmm. yeah, seventh grade, I was working with elementary school kids, and then in when I got to NJIT, I was working with pre-college, up or down, and okay, you know, so. Um, I said, I do business workshops for kids. I had never done a business workshop for kids before. He's like, oh, do you want to do one at, at Christ the King Prep School? I'm like, okay, cool. So a couple of weeks later, me and a group of kids was in, were in a room and we were all board members and we had to come up with a company, a name, an idea, <clears throat> a marketing strategy, a price, like how we're going to put, and that was apparently the best workshop these kids have ever had. So how much time did you spend like prepping for this? 10 hours at least. Okay, so got I it. I didn't know what I was doing. All right. And I still didn't know what I was doing. So you do the one. Let let's just mind you. I'm not a speaker. At the, I'm not like public speaker. Right. This, this is point. not like yeah. I know what you do now and who oh, yeah. you are. But this we're is... talking about eight years ago. Yeah. What were your parents saying? Oh, when I got fired. <laughs> when you got fired, and then you yeah. had this website and like weren't exactly know about the website. <laughs> okay. Uh, but no, I told her I was. Uh, I told her I just kept going on job interviews, even though I was just like you weren't. No. Because I mean, I, mean, I had like a year and a half for unemployment, so I was like, I'm going to work this out. Okay. Because I, I, I mean, I'm not Nigerian. That was, the, that was the same year my sister moved to Atlanta. Okay. 
And so I started traveling to Atlanta a lot, like eight times, I think, in 2010, just alone. I was in Atlanta back and forth. Doing what? Between, between February and December. Helping my sister move. Okay, just and going then July, back and forth. And then, so they moved in March, and then July of 2010, she had my nephew. Okay. So my mom was in Atlanta for like a month. Mm -hmm. So I was down there. I had, where I had to be? You were supposed to be interviewing, uh, based on what your mom knew. <laughs> Um, it was it was an interesting year. 2010 was a really interesting year. For a lot of people, because yeah. most folks were still reeling from the big crash. So, okay, so you're not in, pretend interviewing. You have this website, now you've done this first. The first one. Business workshop for kids. Mm -hmm. What came out of that? Where'd Mad, you go from there? Like, great reviews, referrals, uh, and then um, maybe two or three workshops later. Mm -hmm. I think it was November. Um, uh, somebody called me from a referral and for the first time somebody asked me um what's my rate okay so did you think about it or you just pulled one out in there i'm not i said excuse me <laughs> what's your rate i said um can i call you back and so i hung up and so 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 my tip my, my nigerian cousin i call her tiffany right the budgetista aliche yes she is we've known each other our whole lives mm -hmm. that's why we're cousins um so i sat down with her when i had left my job okay right? um back in february 2010 this was when she was still like sitting down with people one-on-one. Mm -hmm. She don't got that time. She's not doing that right. anymore. But so I was lucky enough to have this wisdom, right? Mm -hmm. And so, um, and we went through her book, The One Week Budget, and it was because of her I was able to, like, keep my financial commitments good while on unemployment, while interviewing mm -hmm. and all this other stuff. And so um, I called her. I said, yo, Tiff, somebody just asked me my rate. I don't know what to say. What do I do? She said, tell them you're budget friendly. I said, and what else? She said, just tell them you're budget friendly. It's like, okay. So I called them back. I said, hey, you know, I'm budget friendly. That was my answer. Mm -hmm. They said, what's your rate? I said, I'm budget friendly. They were like, great. Will $1,000 work? So this actually worked. So I said, so in my head, so so you got to understand in my head, right? We had already talked about me doing a 35-minute workshop mm -hmm. for like a group of 15, 20 kids, right? And I'm like, will $1,000 work? For 35 minutes and some prep work? I almost said, hell yeah. <laughs> but I was just like, I said, um, yes. Yes, that'll work. And so two things would, that messed me up. So I thought everybody was going to pay me $1,000. Right. Or rather $2,000 an hour, right? At that point just starting out. And I thought everybody was going to pay me before I got there. Ah, uh, which is not the case Hell in most no. situations. Hell no. That was, that was an oddity, that first one. Mm -hmm. And so that couple weeks later, I called my CPA. This is December 2010. I said, yo, Carlos, somebody just paid me for these workshops. He's like, oh, what are you doing? I said, I'm just, you know, speaking of business stuff. I'm still learning this business stuff. Mm -hmm. But he's like, oh, well, start another LLC. Because we started one in 09. Right. Without any smarts and without Carlos Frazier CPA mm -hmm. in Maplewood, New Jersey. Shout out right? to Carlos. Carlos. Um, and so he's like, yeah, start another one. You just go online, do 125, boom, do it. And I was like, and you could be your own resident agent. We had paid somebody to be a resident agent to get our mail for us. We didn't know. Yeah, like, that le legal get Zoom gets a lot of people yeah. with all of this. Let me just say. Yo, $800 to get. They gave us this book of taxes we could have got anywhere for like 30 bucks. Right. right? Yep. Like, yo, like they do, they got us, mm -hmm. right? So then my, my CPA's like, oh, you could be your own resident agent. You could do all, yeah, I'm like, I'm say, boom, get my IRS EIN number. I'm like, oh, go open a bank account. December 30th, I opened the bank account for my second LLC, mm -hmm. put money in it. So retroactively, I was able to write off all my startup expenses right. for that second LLC for all of 2010. Mm -hmm. right? And so that's when, and then 2011, business started to grow. Um, 2012 is when the books came out, both of them. And I also became a certified business coach. Mm -hmm. And so um, all that happened in 2012. So 2012 was another like crazy year. Um, and then, yeah, a couple of years later, real estate um, started to see what was going on in mm -hmm. my city, right? And, um... The middle part was changing, um, but a lot of the outside parts weren't. Right. And so um, I, I was like, something, something not right. And then I started to see the correlation between commercial real estate, who owned what, how much they were charging for what, why certain people were where they were, you know, why certain people couldn't be downtown, even though that would help their business substantially. Right. right. Things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's that's one of the reasons I got into more focused on not just business coaching, entrepreneurship, but also um, real estate in in terms of like overall wealth building and legacy building. Right. Okay. So before we jump to the real estate thing, I want to talk a little bit more about the business yeah. that you had worked on because it's one thing to like have a consistent check coming from somewhere from unemployment or wherever, and then you're like, 
can command a thousand dollars or what over here. It's another thing to have all your eggs in the basket of entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And did you get to the point where, okay, unemployment has run out. Now I've got to make this work. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that was 2012 because okay. I had New Jersey and then I had New York. Cause, mm-hmm. So I had New Jersey, then I maxed that out, I think for a year. And then I had New York after that because my last job was at, was in the city. Mm-hmm. And so um, I was able to do New York for a year, which was totally not the same amount, right? <laughs> As New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, the 2012 was the year that 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 stuff had to run out. And mm-hmm. so um, I will say that what I don't do as much now with that, with the business is... And what is the name of your business? Let's so Valentine Global yes. right, mm-hmm. is, is the overall company. Mm-hmm. Is three entities under that. Okay. Um, Valentine Coaching, um, Valentine uh, Motorsports, mm-hmm. and Valentine Property Holdings. Okay. Um, and so I was promoting and marketing a lot more. Yeah. You know, even though I was getting referrals, um, I was doing more, I think, postings and stuff. I'm I'm not as like online as much as I used to be. Yeah, well, I mean that's the joke that you know we met on Twitter. I can't tell you the last time I actually even <laughs> logged into Twitter. But back then it was like that's what you did. You know, you you had to stay plugged in. And some people are great with it, and I'm not saying it's not valuable now because it really is. But it's hard. It's hard to keep up with it. Yeah, unless you have you know like a lot of people use Hootsuite. Mm-hmm. And just be like on their phone, just boom, right to like three things at once, boom, boom, boom. Yeah, you know. But um, I, for me, I think I just have days. I'm like, well, let me post two things. And right. I'll post like three weeks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like stuff's happening, but I don't always feel necessarily like share it. Right. Understood. I yeah. have a similar struggle. Which I have pictures. I'm like, no, nah, share that. Exactly. So we had fun. That was cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you, you had, you know, this holding company with these businesses under it. Yeah. You had things popping on the coaching front. And then you saw an opportunity with real estate. Yeah, to, to do something different. Everybody, mm-hmm. it seems like everybody's building the same stuff, you know, yeah. in, in apartments, right, for the mm-hmm. most part. Um, and so what I realized is I, I want to bridge the gap between folks that don't want to rent anymore, mm-hmm. but want their own space, right? Want to own something um, and can't, do what I'm doing for the first time is buy is in the pro, be, I'm in the process of buying my first multifamily, mm-hmm. and so for folks that can't necessarily buy even a single family home or a multifamily home, like what's the what's the balance, right? And so in downtown Newark, they got condos going for four hundred grand, right? Like that's not come on seriously, you know, and they're not building in any necessarily new condos, new townhouses. Society Hill is sinking literally in, in Newark, right? Mm-hmm. The foundation is like sinking, um, and so I am working on building some condos. People for people to buy. Okay. Um, and so it's not easy. You know, it's my first foray into development. Mm-hmm. Um, however, um, I realized that as long as I stay in the realm of being socially responsible, mm-hmm. then I'm good. Okay. Because the, the outcome is going to be worth all the... <laughs> the crying. The blood, sweat, and tears. The, the crazy, you know, the, the hanging up on people, the the barking on people, the, you know, the being barked at by people, mm-hmm. the, all that. It's going to be worth it. So I know people are going to hear this mm-hmm. and, you know, real estate is something that has come up on the podcast a couple of times, but yeah. I've talked to a lot of people one-on-one about it. And it's something that people see as a way to generate wealth, but they're always like, I don't have the money to get started. Right. And they may hear this and say, well, where's he getting all this money from? Right. Yeah. To buy a multifamily, to build condos, be a developer. Where do you start from a financial perspective to get the capital up to make this happen? The development or the person? Let's do both. Let's say first as an entrepreneur, because a lot of entrepreneurs feel like they can't get a mortgage until they've become wildly successful. Yeah. So that's a really tough balance is as an entrepreneur, and I'm LLCs, right? So Mm -hmm. as an entrepreneur, right, the balance between minimizing your tax burden as much as you can, Mm -hmm. right? And having that action hurt you when it's time to go and get pre-approved. Right. Because in minimizing your tax burden, you're selling Uncle Sam. I might have made 100, 1099, but I spent 70. Right. I really only made 30. Mm -hmm. And now the mortgage guy sees 30, not 100. Yep. So now you're kind of biting, you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot. So it's it's that bound. I, I'm not a CPA. I don't play one on TV, mm-hmm. right? So I tell people, talk to your your money person, your money advisors, your lawyer, your CPA. Um, if you have in like an investment or financial advisor, talk to them. Um, but for me, um, I've been renting for over 10 years. Mm-hmm. And I've never, the crazy part is I've never spent more than $750 a month. On rent? Ever. In the Northeast? In Union City and all my apartments in Newark. And so 
I've still spent a hundred grand though. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot. Right. So I told myself, so I had, a, it was a point where I had um, not great credit and like, okay, money saved up. Mm-hmm. And then I used that money to help to get rid of the credit sure. issues. Uh, and now my credit was up there and then my money was down. And so I had a, I had a point where I was like, okay, this isn't now or never, right? Because I have credit and enough cash saved up. Mm-hmm. And so that's, it took me time to get to this point where I'm under contract and hopefully closing the end of November, right? But this is from a bid, an offer I put in, in August, right? So, you know, I was supposed to close, I was supposed to be like in the house already. Right. Like literally. But it don't like, go like that. Housewarming <laughs> this month, you know? Yes. It don't go, it don't go like that. And so um, that, I think um, financially you have to figure out a way to, as an entrepreneur, um, make your revenue, right? And still like stash enough away so that you can pay those taxes so that when it comes time to, if you want to get a pre, if if you get a house through lending, Mm -hmm. right, then you can have the financial means on paper right to do that right because even if you have cash in the bank if you don't if you can't prove where it's from they can't use that right so get your revenue but also that balance between um keeping that 30 35 percent aside so that you can actually pay what you're supposed to and not necessarily write off everything Mm -hmm. so that if you know if you know that's what you want to do some people can buy cash this is true. Save up enough fifty grand, a hundred grand to buy a house cash, and so that's a whole nother. I'm not going that route. So right. I'm FHA, first time home buyer, milking what I can before your boy, you know, Agent Orange, <laughs> mess up everything, right? So I'm trying to before the FHA is no longer. Right. <laughs> I'm like here for this three and a half percent down on this two unit that I can potentially get anywhere from uh, thirty six hundred to sixty six hundred a month coming in just from the second unit, which is two floors. Wow. So financially, it makes sense to cough up this 10 to 19 grand that mm-hmm. I have, right? To If if I make 6600 a month from this house, you're talking about a $2,600 a month payment. Right. And that's four grand a month in my pocket every month. And in 12 months, I'm at $48,000 saved up. Yes. But I spent 19. So financially, it makes sense if, if you can do that. Right. And so that's the balance. Everybody can't be disciplined enough to save up that much money or um, the credit, you know, maybe have so many issues on their credit that they don't like, I know somebody that's going to pay people to write letters that they can write themselves. Mm -hmm. But she's like, Oh, I don't want to take the time to do it. And I'm like, you're also taking time to learn. She's not about that life though. She wants to pay them to do it. And so that she can, you know, and so everybody's different. I I took, I took a couple of years to learn about credit and about all these acts and practices and laws that pertain to us and consumer rights Mm -hmm. so that I wouldn't get back in the hole that I was in, in college. Yeah. You know, instead of just paying somebody to do it. And a lot of us know about that college life and making poor decisions with credit and everything else. All you want is a t-shirt, a frizz. (laughs) be. You know what I'm saying? You want a water bottle and now you get this shiny plastic in the mail a couple weeks later. You're like, what's what's this? And and then as soon as you open it, you get a phone call. Hey, you want to go to the mall? Literally, it's like somebody heard you slice that envelope open and all of a sudden it's free money. New outfits. Y'all, you want to go to the mall? Yeah, let's go to the mall. Nah, so yeah, so on, on the personal you know, entrepreneur, my own house that I'm going to live in and mm-hmm. also invest in, that's how I'm doing it. Um, on the development side, um, I think a term that most folks think about is OPM, other people's money, right? Mm-hmm. And so that doesn't always work, but I do have an opportunity to purchase something, knock it down, build something else with someone else's money. Got and it. So why not? How did you find this someone else's money? Um, network contacts. Okay. Asking, asking questions. Mm-hmm. Hey, do you know, you know, hey, do you know, I was at, I was at somebody's house um, during Newark Arts Festival, actually, and I ran into somebody I hadn't seen in a while. And um, I just mentioned, you know, I'm doing this, this real estate development. And he's like, oh, that's what I do. Meaning he's the one that I need to talk to to get like permits and stuff, mm-hmm. right? And so now I know if I can do X amount of units, I got somebody who's going to help me get everything approved and everything pushed through, you know? So it's just conversations, having conversations. And I think even with the business, um, with entrepreneurship, some folks are scared to like talk about their stuff if right. they're not fully done yet. And it's, and yeah, that works sometimes, but then it's tough for folks to help you too. Yeah. And I think if you keep it all to yourself, the fear comes from two places. It's that feeling like the idea might be underdeveloped. And also right. if you're someone who's been in the entrepreneurial space for any period of time, you might have pivoted 
a couple of times. So sometimes you're afraid of reaction with people who know you being like, what are you up to now? Like, you know, what what shift are you making now? Because being a coach is very different from being a real estate developer. Yeah. So <laughs> some people can see that and be like, this dude is all over the place. Like, yeah. is he serious about anything or is this just a get rich quick? So that's a good scheme? question. Yeah. So I do. I do. I do believe that you have to be passionate about your stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I don't engage in anything I'm not passionate about. Um, I don't coach everybody that emails me and they usually email me from the Live Richer Academy. What up, Tiff? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I don't... Um, deal with um, nonprofits that I don't feel like are doing the work they say they work, they, mm -hmm. the, the work that they say they do, right? Um, I don't work with all clients. And so with my business coaching, with my speaking, with like the mentoring I do with young people, I'm passionate about it. You know what I mean? So right. if I'm engaging it, I'm passionate about it. And what I've realized is... Um, my cousin Ari Orinze Onuga, he um he had this thing called Life Lane. And Life Lane's about like doing things that you're passionate about and not being your lane, right? And mm -hmm. so yeah, I was on Wall Street and learned about money when I was in my twenties. And then eventually I got into business coaching and entrepreneurship and now I'm in real estate, right? So um there are some folks I believe that are like meant to do a lot of dope things within mm -hmm. like one place. Right. One school, one organization, one company, one one whatever, right? Um, and then there's people that are meant to start 50 dope different things mm -hmm. with 50 dope different organizations or, you know what I mean? Um, and so for me, I know that real estate is where my focus is and my passion is right now with helping my people because I think that's where a lot of the control is, is in real estate. Absolutely. With who owns what retail shops, with who owns what office buildings and what. It's so much stuff vacant downtown, but yet there's so many businesses outside the central ward that would love the exposure of getting a bunch of people walking past every right. day. But, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. it's not the case. And um, I'm over it. And you're here to solve a problem. I want to do something different. Yeah. yeah. I'm over status quo and just the same old apartment buildings, the same old furnishings, you know, just different location with higher rents. And eventually, and none of these developers, I don't know how many developers actually live in the city. I'm going to say very few, if any. <laughs> so in Germany, right, 5% of the population's own, 5% of the population of Germany owns 50% of the real estate. Wow. And, and Germany is getting to that tipping point where Germans who live in Germany won't be able to afford to live in Germany. <laughs> That's wild. <laughs> like, and these developers, these 5%ers don't understand that, okay, we can't just keep charging everything because then mm -hmm. we're, we're going to be vacant. And then no one's winning, right? right? So you're vacant, you're not getting any rent. And so I think some some developers would rather get nothing than something. And I think that's where the pride and ego is like, oh no, I need to get $38 a square foot. Right. Okay, but you're getting zero and somebody's willing to pay you 20. Right. So is conceptually the condo project that you're working on, is it affordable housing for lack of a better term? So it's not affordable, but it's for folks who, like I said, are in that in that mid-range mm -hmm. where they can get approved for these numbers that we're selling these condos for. Okay. They're not like massive condos, but they're going to be new. They're going to be like not lived in. They're going to be... Um, bigger than what the minimum, you know, in the city, it's, so it's, it's in East Orange, right? Mm -hmm. So it's 500 for a studio, uh, 700 for one bedroom and 850 square feet for two bedroom, right? So we're doing more than all that. Okay. So, um, it's, it's stuff that I would live in and I hope folks like appreciate it, you know, mm -hmm. we have, I'm going to, it's going to have parking, it's going to have green space, you know what I mean? Um, and the city wants a par uh, residential there, too. Right. So do I. So is this the first of many? Hopefully. I, I think it's definitely going to happen, knowing you. Hopefully. <laughs> I pray, because um, they said the first one's the hardest one. Absolutely. I, I haven't even done it yet, but I talked to enough developers to know that that, that is accurate. Yeah. So excited, I'm excited. I'm excited for you. I'm going to shift gears a little bit because yeah. um, we have these prep calls before, you know, we, we do these interviews just so I can get a feel for where someone is. And I feel like your world has opened up, but that happened because you had some shifts personally mm -hmm. as well. Can we talk about that? Yes, we can. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. So you want to know? So you told me that, you know, part of what you had to do to get to this place in your life was stop dating yes. for a while. How did you come to that realization? You can't pour from an empty cup. Amen to that. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, 
I wasn't giving myself time between relationships to refill my cup before going back into another relationship to pour more. Mm-hmm. And uh, it got to the point where I just realized it wasn't, you know, if I did it again, I'd be back to square one. And so um, I proactively was like, okay, let me not date anybody because right now I think for me the focus is family. Mm-hmm. More so, um, sisters going through stuff, mom going through stuff, you know, my little niece going through stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So those are the women I'm trying to focus on right now. Um, okay. And so, and dating is not cheap for guys in 2018 either. Listen, even as a woman, sometimes I'm like, how are men affording to take people out three and four times a week? Yo, I do. They got it like that. They got it like that. Um, And I don't have like that. So, like I said, I'm in the process of buying this house, right? Mm -hmm. So I'd rather sacrifice not dating to get myself right so that I don't have to move anymore and not be uh, told what my rent's going to be anymore, right? Um, That was one of the reasons I I did that. And um, just mentally, I think... Uh, relationships are can be draining for givers. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, I just, I need to keep my energy. I think we talked about like saying like, hold up world. Like I got to do me real quick. Right. Because if you don't do you, then you can't do much for the world. Mm-hmm. And so I want to do for my future kids, kids and stuff like that. So I had to consciously, like proactively, purposely like, just stop. So here's the thing. I'm always intrigued when someone says I was going from relationship to relationship because that's not my personality. So I don't even know what that looks like. Like I need time to decompress, sort of unpack what happened, focus on me for a while. When you get out of a relationship, how do you get into another one that quickly? Like, how does that happen? So I'm a recovering habitual relationship, right? That's what I call myself. So are you one of those people who goes out with a woman like two, three times and you're like, this is it. I want to be with you. Yeah. So I didn't know what dating was. Okay. Right? I didn't date before. Mm-hmm. I was like, hey, you like me? I like you. Let's we're okay. We're good. We're, we're like we're together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Were you like moving in with these people? No. Okay. Not not initially. Not right away. No. Okay. Um, but I'm m- more of like long term relationships, so like, like two years. Okay. So, yeah. Last couple. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think for me it was, um, I would be go back to single and you know I know he can attest to this. The sisters can smell the single. <laughs> I swear if I go back to the month and month after I've always been single, I can go back to tweets and, and messages and texts saying, hey, what's up? She and How Marcus are, you? are having what's a new? moment. What? Right? <laughs> Yo, what's new with you? How's wifey? Oh, you know I ain't with wifey no more. That's why you texted me. You know what I mean? So as... I, I, okay, Chike just totally backed me out of the yeah, interview and had a whole conversation quick, with DeMarcus. But anyway... Real quick. Because he know, like, yo, y'all can smell the, the single. That goes so, both ways, but men do the same thing. The same, no. You know how many men, men have crept into my... They always do Okay. That. I, you, personally, you... I think that it goes up, the occurrence goes up when you're single. But anyway, continue. So for me, that's what happened. <laughs> It w- it's like out the woodworks here goes, hey, hey, you, hey, what's up? Hey, how are you? Hey, what's new? Hey, you, hey, oh, really? Oh, we should link up. Oh. Mm-hmm. And then like three, four months later, I'm in a relationship again. <laughs> so not really taking time and to I heal. I used to have a type. I had a type, like tall, chocolate, dimples, like, you know, thicker than a snicker type. <laughs> That was my thing, yo. And I had to realize that that exterior is whack. You can't go off that because eventually that is going to fade, right? So focusing on the internals, like, so what's attached to the VJJ, right? So, okay, you got a VJJ. Everybody got a VJJ. What's attached to it, right? You got some some, some honesty, some some goals, some funny. You could talk about serious stuff, silly stuff, like... That's what I'm focused on now. Mm-hmm. That's what I'd like. Well, it sounds like you're focused on you for right now. So, I, yeah, God knows what I want. And so the the thing is asking God also for the discernment and the willpower and the um, maturity mm-hmm. to be able to understand what that ask looks like on earth. That's the tough part, I think. Absolutely. Is like... 
is this the physical manifestation of what I asked God for? And you don't always know. Because often it doesn't look like what we want it to look like. And I think with in this day and age where there are so many options and so many channels to meet people and you got folks in, you know, an IG over here, Twitter over here, Facebook, you know, and I always say that like this New York City metro area is a bubble. Yeah. Like, so you run into yeah, people all the wild. time, <laughs> especially if you're involved, like you are, yeah. Urban League, all these different yeah. things. It's just people. And I think for men, for black men in particular, because you are outnumbered, <laughs> you know, you got options. So I hear a lot of guys say this, but when there's so many options coming at you and like seven of them look how you want them to look and what you're used to, and then you might get the eighth that doesn't look like the physical manifestation of what you would want, but it is what God is sending to you. Sometimes you can gravitate towards the seventh mm. instead of the eighth. So it takes a level of discernment. Yeah. And I think the same thing could be said for women because, you know, we have our types too and mm -hmm. what we think is the right situation. Um, but it's important. I'm, I'm glad that you're doing this. Because I think when we when we met, you were like knee deep in a situation at the time. Yeah. <laughs> Unhealthy. Yeah, so um, I'm glad you're so, taking the time. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I think, you know, it took, um, I think it took a lot of experience and I'm trying to say the word. Um, so my, my therapist is an old school West Indian guy, right? Shout out so, to a black man in therapy. And so, yeah, of course. Go ahead. And so he he hits me with the, you know, the clinical, like, you know, this is what you're doing. This is what you should try. And blah, blah, blah. And he'd be like, but if you don't pray on it, you ain't got God. I don't know if it's going to work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. And I think that's what's and, and I started speak. I started working with this dude in in the last relationship mm -hmm. to try to keep it going. And it didn't work. So I think that's the reason it didn't work. It's the therapy. <laughs> really? But, yeah. Yeah. Therapy will highlight some things. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And so um, and he, he helped, helped me realize that um, being a giver. Right. Once I choose to commit to a sister. Right. Because it's going to be a sister. Let's be clear on that. Um, then I go all in and then um, that's not always healthy. Mm hmm. For me, especially if I'm with somebody that can't, that doesn't put a limit on how much they take, right. how much they're given to, rather. Um, and so, yeah, so I know what I want. Um, I just hope God has that person for me, like, here at some point. Right, before you turn, like, 60, right? Yeah, before, like, <laughs> 50, yo. Really, I'd like to, um, I'd like to get, like, two commas before I have kids, mm -hmm. right? And then, um, like, I'd like to maybe by 40 to five years. Make it happen. Five more years. Okay. Put it out there. Put it out into the atmosphere. You got to speak those things. And I'm open to dating a sister with kids because um the book um the conversation mm -hmm. with Harper yes really kind of helped me um open my eyes to just that at 35 if I'm a single brother looking for a single sister and for me to like totally say oh she got a kid I can't like to to totally just kind of outcast a whole group of sisters because mm -hmm. they got kids is like me shooting myself like, absolutely foot, like. I don't know what, back to what God has for me. I don't know what that looks like. Right. It might look like somebody that already has a son or a daughter. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know. But as a giver, do you think that you could get into that situation and be like all in and attached to this child and giving to the both of them prematurely? I get attached to kids that ain't, ain't right. with, with moms. I'm just, yeah. So that's why I'm asking the question. I think for somebody, and I, I think it's something that you should be open to, but because yeah. I, I know who you are as a person and you are, you have such an open heart and you're yeah. said, if someone, if someone comes to you with a yeah. child, yeah, I'm a, you're going to be all I'm, in. Kids get me. They got mm -hmm. me. Kids get me like, you know, all the time, yo. Because they're cute. And I they're can't adorable they're cute, and precocious, know? yes. Um, so, yeah, I could definitely see myself with a sister that has a kid and, you know, being all in. And and um, I think for me, I do want at least one of my own. Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of like a might be a deal breaker for me. Um, but other than that, I'm open. She's going to come. Yeah. I'm confident. She may be here already. Sure. That is true. Where she at. You, you never know. It might be Lord. somebody you, that you know already. I always say that. And that's like, okay, all those sisters I know mm -hmm. versus all the sisters I, I just met or just met in Florida or just met in D.C. Right. Just met in, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't even know if she's in Jersey. Mm -hmm. How am I even supposed to know? Like, long distance stuff works sometimes, I heard, right? <laughs> <laughs> Y'all, if y'all could have seen the face that, <laughs> oh my gosh, the face they just made. Yeah, Jamarcus and I both just made a face. <laughs> it can work. It, I, I'm not going to say that it can. Yeah. I know people who have made it work. It just gets different when you end up in the same city and you've only dated long distance, I think. It's an adjustment that people are not ready for. 
a lot of the time. Mm. I'll just say that. Moving right along. We're not even gonna we're not even gonna get on that. I'm not ready for blackpeoplemeet.com. <laughs> Can't do it. <laughs> I feel like all these people have come on the show who are looking for love. We need to have like some kind of some mixer or something yeah. for these folks. Wookin' Panub. That is true. Sisters, let me just put this out there. Return our emails. You gotta come on the show too. Because it's just been like a lot of dudes on yeah, this right. podcast. Some cool dudes though. Brandon. Brandon's cool. Geo. Yes. Geo's cool. Uh, Purvis is cool. Absolutely. More sisters. I'm all for more sisters. Yeah, absolutely. So since you love the kids, yeah. let's talk about your books. Yes, 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 yes. You've written two, correct? Yes, I wrote one myself mm -hmm. in June of 2012, and then I co-authored one in August of 2012. And what are these books about? My book is called The Young Man's Guide to Entrepreneurship, 16 Things You Need to Know. Now, two disclaimers. Mm -hmm. There are way more than 16 things you need to know about entrepreneurship <laughs> and the book inside it it's not anything about young men per se um, but the title is that because that's who I usually work with okay and this is this first book is like my autobiography of things I wish somebody would have told me and Drew before we started with the motors <laughs> for like 20 grand um in in the form written in the form of a guidebook with like kind of space for them to write mm -hmm. and stuff and you know answer questions and um hopefully help them kind of take their ideas and make them real mm -hmm. um and then man like life is crazy um somebody reached out to me from linkedin asked me if i wanted to be in a book and the lady's name is linda eastman and um i didn't know who she was and i was like sure and she's like yeah i want you to pay 550 i said nope wait what she asked you, you if you wanted to be, to be in my in book, book? <laughs> yes uh okay cool i'll need 550 this week no i'm good thanks these are like the organizations that make people pay to get an award <laughs> Yo, let's. Oh, I'm mad you said that. That I'm is a thing. Somebody on blast. Okay. Hold okay, on. that is a thing. If let's people don't know, let's there are organizations out there that. Okay. Go ahead, GK. Go ahead. So, so Linda, Linda does this. She writes a bunch of books mm -hmm. where she gets a bunch of authors to pay five hundred fifty dollars. And you really put her they, name out there on the podcast. Yo, and they got, and they only get ten percent or whatever of okay. the of the revenue for like five years after mm -hmm. that she keeps it that's a hustle I, I i respect the hustle but i was like no i'm not paying 550 house lady you really you. put linda on blast. yeah i know you okay so go ahead then um months later she hits me up saying hey i never got your chapter i said i don't i thought last conversation i was out she's like oh no 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 don't worry about it this was a friday mm -hmm. can you send it to me by monday oh my gosh yep so i lock myself in my apartment friday saturday sunday sunday night send off the chapter uh the chapter page oddly enough 44 um chapter four rather mm -hmm. it's called passion to profits okay um, so it's a reworked, um, shorter version of The Young Man's Guide to Entrepreneurship where I kind of give, um, and the book is called Boys to Men, The Guide for African-American Boys. And um, I give them ways to take their ideas and make them real. Um, and what's crazy is after I wrote that chapter and sent it to her that Monday, or that Sunday, um, I think a month later, I got the forward. Mm -hmm. And it was written, the forward was written by one of my mentors, um, Reverend Dr. Alfonso Wyatt. Wow. Who is a very, very, um, like an OG, triple OG in terms of like working with young men and boys of color and things like that. Um, so this came out August of 2012. And so that was like a big year. I was excited. Um, I, they had the, so they had the book launch in Chicago, mm -hmm. right? And peep this, guess how much they wanted for the tickets? <laughs> Do I want to know? It's crazy story, yo. <laughs> so they want like five something for the tickets just to go to like three days, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm like, all right, bet. I'm not going for three days, but but I bet you I'm going to go get some books. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sell my books and I'm going to go get my books signed. <laughs> and I'm going to go take some pictures, right? So without booking the hotel, without booking anything, I book a flight to Chicago for 26 hours from um, Saturday morning to Sunday morning. And you don't have a hotel or anything? Nope. But I have a change of clothes and a bunch of books in my, in my, in my carrier. So what was your plan? My plan was to sell some books, go to the launch, and then like literally like go back to the, like sleep in the lobby something or go back to the airport and until the morning so what's messing with i go there i do the book signings right and if you could see like let me see so some of the authors signed your signed copy because mm -hmm. we all met a lot of the authors went so i didn't pay to get in the conference but i go and i get there well how did you get in if you didn't pay to get in <sighs> listen a, a wise friend of mine just told me just if you walk in like you're supposed to be somewhere <laughs> 
<laughs> folks tend to not talk to you, right? Or question you, right? When you, if you walk in, like you supposed to be somewhere, right? And so I walked up in that conference, that hotel, like I was supposed to be there, suited up and everything, right? I had one suit, like two shirts, mm -hmm. three ties I brought, right? And then, you know, some little changes of stuff and then um, toiletries or whatever and a bunch of books. Literally. Were you just walking around with this bag though? Yep. <laughs> and then, so I meet, I meet, um, oh man. I meet one of the guys, Dr. Uh, I got to say his name because it's like there's good people in the world, yo. I tell you, there's really, really good people in the world. I met a brother named uh, Quentin Newhouse, Dr. Quentin Newhouse, right? Older brother. Mm -hmm. And I met him. And he's like, oh, man, I remember your face from the book. So we're on the same book, right? And his chapter is called Steps to Fathering Fatherless African-American Boys, right? And so he's like... I told him, like, yo, I don't got nowhere to stay. He's like, yo, no problem. Here's my key. Go put your stuff up in my room and come back down. So you told, so you... I met him. Stroll, yeah, you strolled your way into this conference that you Dr. didn't pay Quentin to get in. Dr. Newhouse met me. You met this guy, and then you told him, I don't have anywhere he to said, stay. I remember you from the book, and we're in the same book. So he said, congratulations. I said, oh, you too, man. That's what's up. He's like, oh, so you just get here? I said, yeah, you know, I'm out here for 24 hours, literally. I'm just here. Like, I'm not sleeping. I'm not, <laughs> I had no, you know, sleep. I had no plans of sleeping that weekend, right? And so he's like, wait, you ain't got nowhere to, you ain't got no room? I said, nah. He's like, ah, oh, man, here. Without even thinking, yo, good people in this world. He gave me his room key. He said, yo, go upstairs. If you need to freshen up, whatever, go ahead. And then come back down whenever you're ready. You know, here's my cell phone number. Boom, boom, boom. And so me and Dr. Newhouse chilling the whole weekend. Uh, not the whole weekend, but that whole night. Mm -hmm. As as everyone is getting ready to board the ship to go to Lake Michigan <laughs> for the fireworks that she does every year. Chike don't got a ticket for the boat. <laughs> Chica don't got a ticket for nothing except his round, his ticket back, right, to Jersey. Yes. So, um, Linda, I meet Linda, right? And so she's like, oh, you're going to be on the boat, right? I said, oh, nah, I don't, I don't think I can, I'm going to go. She's like, what? You're crazy. You're getting on the boat. So Chica on the boat. So we on the boat. <laughs> Fireworks on the boat, right? <laughs> so we come back and then literally come back. I think the boat got back one in the morning. My flight was 6.37. So I chilled in the lobby for a couple hours, got my Uber back to the joint, sold some books, got books signed, took a bunch of pictures, literally in Chicago for 26 hours. Sometimes you just got to do stuff like that, yo. I'm not booking a hotel. I'm not I'm not paying for the conference ticket. I'm not, yo, I'm just going to show up and act like I'm supposed to be there. See, yo. I'm not a show up kind of <laughs> chick. I'll tell you that right now. I need my accommodations. Credentials yes, I, I need to be credentialed. I need accommodations. I'm not making it happen like that. I, I know that's at, never going to be me. At that time in 2012, financially, that was the only plan that mm -hmm. could have worked. And see, most people will say, I don't have the money. I'm just not going. They wouldn't step out. The flight was like 260 round trip. So I was like, all right. Okay. So you just told one story, but I'm going to make you tell another one yeah. anyway. <laughs> Describe another time when you had to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. Oh, man. Another. Because I know you have stories on stories. So. Ah, man. I think, I think. There's one day, man, where this young man was going through some stuff and uh he came in my program, he came in my um my class, and I could see it on his eyes, yo. Mm -hmm. And it was it was weighing on me. After a couple minutes, I felt his energy like I'm an empath. Oh, so you catch it all. A term from that. Mm -hmm. And so I I I receive energy. I kind of like soak in energy from folks around, so I'm usually not around negative people for too long. Um and so I just felt like he was going through it. I say, yo, everybody, boom, 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 dude, blah, blah, blah. I say, yo, little man, come here. Go outside. Before I could even say anything, he start crying. Mm-hmm. Broke down. So I just gave him a hug. And then so we walked away because, you know, the kids coming out the bathroom. I'm like, oh, let's let's take a walk. So we take a walk. And he's telling me how he's in trouble. He might he may get sent back home. And when you you know, for Africans, getting sent back home is not necessarily like a vacation, right? Right. People are like, Oh, you going to Africa? Yeah, not like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And so um, that was the day I, I gave him kind of some pointers and some tips on how to kind of um, help his parents be more at ease so that they could feel like they didn't have to send him home. Mm -hmm. And so he's still here. Um, but that was a day where I could sense, I feel his, his son right. was going through it. And before I could even say anything, he started crying. And so I think for me, that was a day where I just had to kind of step up and like let the young man cry on my shoulder. Like, right. You know. And people think mentorship is just, we're going to spend time and I'm going to take you out and just hang. Yeah. Not realizing that sometimes they're going to come to you with some heavy stuff or some emotions that they need to work through and they don't know how. Yeah, these kids are going through stuff that we didn't have to go through. Absolutely. Um, they have a lot of different, not different, the level of distractions that they have in today's society is different than we had. And so it's really, I think, vital that folks in my age range of 35 
take time to every interaction with a young person. Just let them know you appreciate them. Let them know they matter. Let them know that somebody cares about them. Because a lot of young people don't wake up or go to sleep in any sort of positivity whatsoever. Right. And so for any anybody on the street that just sees a young person, if especially if they're looking down, just say, hey, you know, hey, what's up? You all right, man? You appreciate it. Don't, you know, you matter. Don't, you know, whatever's going to be going through, you're going to be all right. Mm-hmm. Like something. Because, man, I've done workshops with kids with like four points no GPAs and then the parents pick them up and like get your ass in the fucking car I'm like damn kid gotta go or the kids that gotta walk through certain parks or certain blocks to go get those 4.0s right you know what I mean like the kids are going through a lot and so I think it's vital for folks to just realize that every interaction you have with a young person is important and if you can let them know they're appreciated they matter somebody cares they're loved they're smart they're you know what I'm saying like that those words could like change yo suicide rates are real. Absolutely. These kids are killing themselves, yo. Like, and we can't say one positive thing to a kid. Like, mm-hmm. you can say one positive thing to everybody. Just everybody's fighting a battle, right? But these young people fighting different battles. Right. And I think those of us who, especially as black and brown folks, it is our responsibility and our duty to look back and I was, help. I was watching something called Cop Watchers on YouTube. These Cop Watchers, um, Mike Brown's neighbor started it. And wow. he was his neighbor when he got shot. And um, he, because the reason a lot of guys, a lot of brothers in Ferguson put down guns, at least momentarily at that time, is because they picked up cameras and they started, like, non-violently watching. Like, whenever police pulled somebody over, they would just pull out cameras and just watch them. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, he was he was saying something about, the brother that started, he was saying something about how the little kids are looking at them like, yo, y'all just going to let these cops shoot us and get away with it every day? Mm -hmm. Y'all not going to do nothing about it? We're kids. Right. Who's going to do something? These old people ain't. The the Charlie Wrangles ain't. Yeah, I called them. You are just... The Charlie Wrangles ain't going to do what what he done. Like, he ain't going to do nothing, right? You know what I'm saying? The Al Sharptons ain't doing nothing. The last favorable, favorable judgment we got when he was involved in something. Like, what are they doing? Like, we have to fight for these young people. And they looking at us like, yo, what are y'all doing? Y'all letting them kill us. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. As a kid, you got to be like, yo, y'all adults, what y'all doing? Y'all over here dancing and, and, and partying, but y'all not keeping them from killing us? And so, I, I don't know. It's just crazy. Okay. It's crazy. So, I can't believe you just called out Charlie and Al. You, you, you're not playing any games. Yo, so my friend Chike Ukegbu is running for president of Nigeria. Mm-hmm. We're both 35. Two-thirds of Nigeria is under 35 years old. Two-thirds. The president of Nigeria has been there since we were born. Mm-hmm. Yo, things got to change, yo. His his platform is uh, entrepreneurship, innovation, and, uh, and education, I believe. Chike, don't beat me up if I got that messed up, but it's I believe it's entrepreneurship, education, innovation. That's his three platforms to help Nigeria do better. Mm-hmm. And he's 35, so he represents two-thirds of the country off-rip. Right. You know, like times, times got to change, yo. We need to raise up a generation of young, civically, politically, educationally, financially, economically charged young people that create companies that change things, that take positions of power within organizations that make laws and make thing rights and um, make new laws and get, do away with the old antiquated laws and really help the people that represent the country. Absolutely. the people that are currently representing the country. Mm-hmm. Mm. So I heard the activism in there too. So <laughs> mentorship, coaching, speaking activism and real estate development how do you balance it all uh god remaining know, spiritually every, grounded every day i don't do everything so mm-hmm. yeah god i think you got to be i have to be rather let me say that i have to be spiritually grounded because i know that it's not my alarm clock that wakes me up in the morning right and so um you know there's days where i I think for me it's schedule right and so there's days where i schedule nothing and there's days where i schedule like one thing mm-hmm. um and so I don't do, yeah, I have coaching clients that are all around the country, actually, that pay me to, to and that's not every day, you know? Right. Um, I have speaking engagements. Like, I have one this Sunday with Street Squash in Newark, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's like a one-off thing, you know? Um, so for me, I think that being able to have a little bit more control over who I work with, where I work, how I work with them helps me like dictate when I work for the most part. Um, and that helps my sanity. Mm-hmm. Keeps me sane. And I have to ask, how do your parents feel about what you're doing today? 
I, I don't know. So, the, you know, Nigerian parents, unless you buy them a house or a car <laughs> or, like, you pay a bill or a mortgage off for them, they're not really vibe, like, oh, okay, you're what? Okay, that'll work. You know, it's like <laughs> me and my sister, my sister's been teaching, for, you know, I was on Wall Street and now this. So mm -hmm. we're, me and my sister both were not doing what my parents expected. Um, and so uh, I'm going to buy my mom a house, though, soon. So it's, I, she's just going to have to wait. All will be well. Once you buy the house, it'll be all good. <laughs> I'm going to pay off the car and, you know, yeah, I'm going to do all that for her so <laughs> she'll be all right you know take care of moms okay so real estate development projects aside what else is on the horizon for chike um i'm doing a children's book for next year nice like a little children's book like children children mm -hmm. teen, but a children's book um <clears throat> let me see um that's I think that's all besides continuing what I'm doing mm -hmm. and growing the real estate um, development company, um, writing more. I'm, I'm wanting to get back into writing more. And where can people find the books that you've put out already? So my website is chikeyuzoka.com, and that's spelled C-H-I-K-E-U-Z-O-K-A.com. And where can people find you on social media? So everything is at Chike underscore Yuzoka. <laughs> Good luck. Because, right? yeah, sometimes people be like, and then Facebook yeah, is, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, so Chike Yuzoka is my website. Um, from there, you can get to my Facebook, uh, Instagram, and Twitter. Social, yeah, LinkedIn. LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter is on there. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah. And I must say, so we met. When did we figure out that we meet? 2014? 2014 okay. is when we met, yeah. You were impassioned then. You're even more impassioned now. <laughs> I'm seeing the growth and the evolution as a person. And the hair, too. Right? And the hair, right? Because you, 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 you still had the Wall Street haircut yeah, when yeah, we I met. Had Caesar from 2002 to 20. The last haircut I got was 2016. Yeah, you, you're playing no games now. So you just are who years, you are. Two years I've had my hair out. Two years been single. Just... You know, trying to do for my future kids, kids. I hear you. Creating that generational wealth. Yes. We have to. More of us have to do that. Right. Black Wall Street happened a long time Thank ago. Thank you. It really happened. And I yeah. want to believe it can happen again. Yeah. It's going to happen again. It's just mm -hmm. going to take us time. Um, I think situations like that have left Im images imprinted in DNA mm -hmm. of our people that doing something under someone else is always going to be safer than doing it for yourself. Because if you do it for yourself, they might just come and burn it down. Right. And you can't shake that. That image from little kids that was in Tulsa to grown people now, like, mom, start a business. I never do that. Mm, my great, 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 great granddaddy's sister did that and it didn't work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, but we'll do that. We'll say that. It's too risky. Writing a book, too risky. Starting a business, too risky. Buying a, a dividend-paying stock, too risky. Buying a multifamily. I don't want to be a landlord. But you don't want $6,600 a month? Right. <sighs> but I think the more we create various mediums where these stories can be exactly. told. Examples. Then you, when you have more examples, then you reprogram. It's not just what happened to your great, great, great granddaddy. It's what you know is happening today and on a consistent basis. And there are ways we can generate wealth and it is not multi-level marketing schemes. Yes, I said it. Yes, talk about it. That is not the way for us. There are other ways, right, that are much, might be a much higher risk yeah. in the short term, but the payoff is great in the, in the end. Term, right. Yeah, right. so. No such thing as quick money. Right. So don't the prepaid legal thing. Y'all, please stop. Yeah, I'm just going to put that out there right now. <laughs> look, she's talking about me, yo. Look, now she calling out names. Who else are we going to talk about tonight? No, we're done. We're no, done. We got we're done. Else. I appreciate oh, so you. nonprofits that give you awards. So I <laughs> Did got, you really yo, go back to that? Son, yo, I, oh, yo, I'm only 35. I have not been given that many awards in my life. I know this. Mm -hmm. But I do know that the experience I had... It's not normal. It's not normal. There's no way, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm. A friend of mine was like, "Hey, I want to give you this award." I said, "Oh yeah, mm -hmm. me? Nah." She's like, "Yeah." For the first time, the, they asked the board to come up with nominees, and this is a sister that that uh, I've worked with uh, her directly and um, with her sons, and. Um, She's like, yeah, I want to nominate you, and this is the thing, and blah, blah, blah. And so I'm like, okay, cool. I'll tell you, okay, that's cool. And so the first interaction, the first interaction I had with the executive director of this nonprofit, something told me it was off. Because <laughs> apparently I hadn't gotten back to her in enough time. Mm -hmm. 
And so I don't, and then, and so, so I got the award. I did receive the award, okay. right? I did receive the award after buying an ad and buying a ticket. But see, you, you got off easy because Hold my, on. not a my, ticket for me. I want to take it for someone. I want to take it for somebody else. Okay. And I add for somebody else. Not for my business, right? And then being told that that wasn't good enough. Oh, I'm surprised. That's why I said you got off easy. And so then when I went, I got the award. I was told to go get the award and stand there and be quiet. And so I get the award while the MC is reading my bio and I'm 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 next to the podium and then that's it. Then they shuffle us off to the step and repeat to go take pictures. And that was it. Mind you, I go to a a New Jersey Institute of Social Justice gala two weeks later at NJ Pack, where they honored the Honorable Loretta Lynch. And that was totally amazing. They had friends in, introduce the honorees. The honorees got to talk, right? And so all I'm saying is for you nonprofits like Project Redirect that are making money off the backs of the people that are really doing the work, you're going to get found out, yo. It's not cool. It's not cool that you're telling people that, oh, if you don't do this and that, we're not going to give you the award for the work you already did. Makes no sense. So I just had to get off my chest. Thank you. And with that, you done? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Your brother walked. <laughs> for the first time in the history of the December 26th podcast, DeMarcus, the producer, got up and walked away. <laughs> This has been real. We keep it real, though, on this show. People know me. If you know Chike, I'm, I don't, I'm, I'm not here to sugarcoat anything. I'm not here to, um, like, fake the funk, right? I hear you. I used to do that, and it just... I don't have enough memory to lie mm-hmm. or to do that, so... I still say you got off easy, though, because the one that was they tried to give to me, I think it was going to cost me, like, $2,500 or something. But that's neither here nor there. $2,500 to, to get an award. Yeah, to get an award. So this is this is a real thing that happens, like people. Hollywood stars. You know, you got to pay fifty grand into a foundation to get a Hollywood star. Well, after they offer you one, mm-hmm. you got to give them fifty. Yeah, it's real. For their foundation. <laughs> it's real. All right, let's wrap this up. We're way over time. I appreciate you. I appreciate you coming on to the December 26th podcast. I appreciate podcast. you and Demarcus for reaching out. Thank you. Thank you, Brandon Frame. Shout out to Brandon yes. with the great recommendations. The Black Man Ken Institute will be, in, will be in Boston this weekend, coming up the 19th and 20th, and we'll be in Queens next weekend. Nice. The Black Man Ken Institute. Check them out. Please check them out. To our listeners, make sure you find Chike online. If you want that realness, find him online for sure. <laughs> and as always, remember to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. Take care. Thank you for listening to the December 26th podcast. I am your host, Delisha. This episode was produced by Demarcus Adisa, and music was provided by Tovo. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at December26er. That's December26ER. 